Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 232nd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that still stands, as should we all, with the movement to end racial injustice and to fund police services in favor of more effective options. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week, still filling in for new dad Travis Allen, is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. Looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs, chat on an awesome Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, busy, busy, busy week in MTG Finance. Um, what's our agenda? Our agenda this week is uh, a four-banger, uh, if you like to use engine terms. We're going to talk about Magic Online's uh, metagame, the week in review, some uh, fun stuff in there. We've got the top movers and paper to talk about, and some really crazy stuff given that uh, Double Masters and VIP has landed this week. What? Wait, hold on. My box of VIP is calling to me. Shh, shh, shh quiet, quiet. Then we also have our Magic Online movers. We've got uh, our picks this week, including a reader pick that uh, both of us somehow didn't see coming and is awesome. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, how to buy Double Masters, the box toppers, the foils, the non-foils, all of it. Sounds good to me. Let's jump on in there with our Metagame Week review. We have uh, fresh information out of Pioneer post all of the, the banning of all the combo pieces. It's looking like a real fair format right now. So top eight was we had Mono Green, um, pretty classic looking with the... Uh, Four, the addition of four Oath of Nyssa, which has been recently unbanned. Two Castle Garenbrig and four Nykthos trying to Nyx. Twelve Planeswalkers, including four Karn the Great Creator, four Nyssa who shakes the world, four Vivian Arcbow Ranger, um, all very strong. And uh, anchored by 19 creatures, Burning Tree Emissaries, Elvish Mystics, Jade Light Rangers, Lanowar Elves, and Voracious Hydras. Um, a fun deck uh, that's been around in various forms, basically since Pioneer was announced. Followed up by Five Color Niv Mizzet, a brew uh, that is using the 80 cards plus Yorion uh, extension. Uh, Five Color Niv, uh, one of the decks that is likely to benefit from multiple combo decks being removed from the format. There's three copies of Blue White Spirits in here in third, fifth, and sixth place, with the main differences being uh, some disagreement about how many Shacklegeist out of Core 21 they're supposed to be running. The third place one had zero in the list, the fifth place had four, and the sixth place had two copies of the card. Might be worth putting your extended arts or foil extended arts aside at that if you pulled any out of your uh, Core 21 uh, collector boosters. Fourth place deck was Sultai Midrange, running four Uro and a, a bun bunch of very fair looking cards. Fair but powerful. Seventh place Mono Black with four times Rankle, four times Castle Lockthwain. We've seen incarnations of this all the way back to the first few weeks of Pioneer. And then finishing off the top eight, we have Blue White Control with three five mana Teferis and three three mana Teferis. No four mana Teferis to be seen. 
Well, I mean, this is big and small Teferi. I guess we're going to have to call them medium Teferi. But, you know, if you're trying to cut down on the uh, the fair interactions, these Teferis are brutal, man, especially together. Ugh, can't imagine. I do like in, any deck with four Supreme Verdict has my attention because all these others are mostly based around creatures, and uh, this deck has also the uh, Elspeth Conqueror's Death and the Shark Typhoon because Shark Typhoon, you know, really had been all over the place, and this week, not so much. Yeah, at least not in this top eight. I don't think that card's going anywhere, and I expect it to be uh, fairly ubiquitous across multiple formats, uh, including EDH, on the go-forward. So uh, it's just interesting to see Pioneer, the result in Pioneer being pretty much as designed, right? Remove all the combos, what's left? A top eight full of fair decks. So, moving on to the modern challenge from August 10th, we have, uh, you know, a format that did not get targeted by bannings in the last couple weeks, and the top of the pile here is Merfolk. Corbin Hostler, I'm sure, would be quite quite happy. <laughs> uh, followed by two burn decks. The, thir- the third place burn deck being notable because it's running four times Sh- Chandra's Incinerator. A card that I assumed would be bulk as I was pulling them out of my Core 21 Collector Boosters. But it looks like we should be putting the uh, copies of that card aside. There's a Showcase version, there's a Extended Art uh, version, and probably all of that is worth holding on to if this is going to be a mainstay in Burn, although it certainly needs uh, some more time to earn the distinction. Yeah, this is more of a uh, traditional burn. It's not the prowess burn that's been more popular lately. And the second place burn deck was more of the classical red-white burn um, from the last few years. Fourth place in the modern tournament was Soul Flare. Notable inclusions there. One copy of Clothis, God of Destiny, and one Questing Beast, because they have... Uh, Questing Beast especially has a bunch of keywords that you want to get in the graveyard so that you can Soul Flare something very nasty. Uh, fifth place was a uh, Court of Calling creature combo build that also has storm a stoneforge mystic package and then there was a more regular uh, formulation of green white creature combo with four finale of devastation and sixth seventh was jun shadow and eighth was teamer escape shift so more or less uh you know a pile of expected decks little surprise to see merfolk at the top of that challenge but uh you know it does tend to poke its head up every once in a while in the hands of a seasoned player yeah, if you're not ready for it, it'll uh, just stomp your face and you're going to feel really dumb. So, for, format's looking in solid shape. Standard also uh, was uh, looking more enjoyable. And I heard that from our Magic Online channel, play patterns seem to be up across the board versus prior to the banning. So it looks like people are at least interested in trying the, the renewed formats out. And that uh, even in the midst of the late summer, we still have folks out there playing online. Um, moving right along to the top paper movers of the week. Tons of action. Re- this list really could have been over 100 cards long. Um, I appreciate you leaving a lot of them out, man. Like, I only have so much time in the day. And we really probably could have got most of the way to 100 just talking about what's been happening with Double Masters prices this week. <laughs> but, and if you add re- reserve lists in there, then, you know, you could spend a solid hour. We'll try to give you a, a brief overview. We have Oubliette, uh, the original Arabian Nights versions, moving up a few bucks, say from 25 to 30. 
interesting to flag not because of the the movement which is you know 20 percent minus fees uh, isn't much at all but because it's an example of a modern era reprint and in this case one with new rules text that makes the card freshly relevant for commander where you can now basically phase somebody's commander out and phasing it out isn't going to the graveyard isn't exiling and isn't um, dying from damage or whatever so the commander is in fact off the table and cannot be recast and so all of a sudden you have the original copies being more relevant and people being more aware of the card and you're going to see some i think upward movement on that basis there's never going to be any more copies of arabian night oubliettes yeah i mean it's sweet and scary and it's a gigantic brick of text that's very badly explained but uh changing it just to phasing seems to work really well as shorthand do you know if anybody was doing that in like popper and such beforehand well i don't think i i think the the change in the rules text came with this reprint so okay previously in popper you know there's no commanders there so they were just using it to remove it from play like using the using the original gatherer text oracle text um so anyway lots of movement on reserve list cards clearly reserve list is surging looks a lot like what happened in 2017 when there was a combination of reserve list targeting and bitcoin um, fleeing to collectibles that was pushing prices up. Feels like some of the same situation. Bitcoin is surging again lately. I don't have any direct evidence that you know Bitcoin farms are buying collectibles again, but it stands to reason that the same logic behind why they did it the first time would stand here. They want to get to liquid uh, objects that they can turn into cash, and they want to do that under the radar. Um, collectibles are ideal for that purpose. So there's probably some of that going on out there. But I suspect that the the bigger factor is that the COVID situation is dragging on. We still have the top end of the market, um, you know, out there buying cards all the time. My sales have been only stronger and stronger as the summer has gone on, really. And then you also have vendors who are just starving for inventory. That's an ongoing situation that's not getting any easier. And they're being forced to, you know, get creative about when and where they get their inventory. It means that a large part of the drain of cards that's going on on TCG Player is probably vendors buying things at retail that they think are going to hold a higher price tag, at least for a while, due to the supply uh, challenges. And all of that seems to be pushing reserve list up anew. So good example of that, Survival of the Fittest. I've sold a few of the Japanese versions of this card recently. And it's interesting because I was having a conversation with folks in the community on Twitter today. Somebody asked something like, uh, you know, Gaia's Cradle is on the move. What do you guys think about Japanese Gaia's Cradle? Would there be a premium? And you have DJ and Michael Caffrey and other people, Jason, chiming in with the, you know, you can't put a premium on on this stuff. Usually you'll be lucky if it, if it moves at English price, which is true. Um, but I countered with, yes, but if the English price on some of this stuff moves up, it tends to drag up the Japanese, Korean, whatever versions and the urza saga uh print run in japan back in the day is actually fairly sizable so it's not like these are ultra super 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 rare but it's still been a long long time since they were released and they are on the reserve list so i think i got in on japanese survival of the fittest like within the last couple years somewhere around 40 dollars or something and i've been selling them north of 100 and here we have english copies 
looking like they're going to push somewhere between 150 and 200 and might even go beyond. And that is a pattern that we will see repeated across pretty much any good reserve list card uh, out there. Um, we've also got Guy's Cradle on the list this week, in theory going from... People were whining about it on Twitter because it showed up on some of the indices as being $1,000 all of a sudden. That's not a real price. Um, Guy's Cradle has been hovering. I think I got a bunch of them on buy lists over the last couple of years, somewhere in and around 300 And when I checked, uh, doing leading up to the research for the show this week, there are still copies out there in the five dollars to $600 range for sure. Some as low as 400 that are kind of like LP instead of near mint. Copies are trading hands on Facebook and other social platforms still lower, and Europe's still got some cheaper copies. Japanese copies are out there. Um, under 450. There's still never going to be a better time to buy a Gaia's Cradle than today because it is going, whether or not any particular spike retraces, it's still going to be up and to the right. Yeah, that's what I, exactly what I was going to say is that the best time to buy a Cradle is when you can afford to buy one. Yeah, and I mean, so even if Cradle is not a $1,000 card today, and I distinctly remember Travis pointing out on an episode when we were talking about cradle maybe six months ago saying the same thing that if it's not a thousand dollars soon it will eventually be a thousand dollars and the judge foil will get pushed up accordingly and become two thousand or three thousand and some of that motion is already baked in to the results for 2020 and all i can say is i'm very very happy to have exited out of some major buy lists in the right direction in the last 18 months or so i mean I have a small pile of cradles that I got from Alpha Beta Unlimited, Abu Games, and uh, Card Kingdom that were, you know, buy list exits where I sent in $450 worth of my spend into, you know, whatever, $800, $900, $1,000 worth of credit, and then used it to buy $300 cradles, which are now going to be, question mark, $450, $500, plus. <laughs> Getting that kind of double ratchet in one year is just ridiculous. That's the key here too, is that it's it's happening in a relatively quick time, you know. Um, let's see what else is on the list. We've got uh, Mana Crypt. Uh, the uh, this is the foil, the pack foil, or is this the the um, pack foil? The box top pack foil Mana Crypt has gone from about 125 to about 185. And uh, we seem to have hit the floor. We're going to get into this more a little bit later uh, in terms of double masters cards that have hit the floor and are rebounding back. Uh, but some of the foils are already like rebounding hard in this direction, which is good to see considering, you know, if you got in at a good price and uh, you're got you're feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. Uh, Vampiric Tutor. This is the EMA foils, arguably the best art of all available Vampiric Tutors. Um, basically, I mean, do you want to argue about it? Because I'll argue about it with but, you. Which one do you that, like? Uh, oh, I like that old border of the the Tempest art, man. You give me an old border Judge foil. Oh, I want to do an Eartha kit. Can I get a sound engineer in here, please, to give me a kitty cat purr? I need that. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Go ahead. I agree that I like that Judge foil. I, I like that version the best overall, but not the art. The art is okay. the art is fine, but it's the old foil, the old border that makes it work. Um, the I think the art on the EMA copy is better. Subjective. 
But the bottom Subjective. the bottom line here is that the foil EMA, EMA copies are just basically gone. They were already like relatively low supply. The market's been slowly draining them out, and then I think somebody just swooped in and, and snatched up like wouldn't take in much 10, 20, 30 copies. Uh, may not even have been one party. Um, so much as people pointing fingers at it and then realizing that they were draining out and trying to lock them down before they did. But now, ostensibly, this is maybe a $250 card. It's hard to say because there aren't really many available in North America right now. Even in Europe, uh, there aren't a ton of copies that that are available for less than, say, $150, $160. I would imagine that most of those will drain out pretty shortly as well. And... The question mark here becomes, when do we see another copy? The If it shows up in Commander Legends, then a lot of this gets undone in a hurry, or at least people will have a lot less reason to be chasing the EMA version if there's a, you know, a hot new version that comes out for Commander Legends. We also still need to know, does Commander Legends have VIP packs? Does Commander Legends have a collector booster planned? Because if you get something like a Vampiric Tutor and it shows up in... in a premium version, then it provides additional uh, distraction at minimum versus for this card, the multiple premium versions that have existed, including multiple judge foils. Um, all of which I, though- I can't imagine they don't, man. Like this is this is a, a non-starter for me. Like look, they have had nothing but success with the collector packs and everything up to this point. I, I How much would you be willing to put down that there's no uh, collector booster slash VIP booster version of something. I will, I will, I will take whatever bet you want to give me right now. Yeah, I'm not going to bet against that for Commander Legends. That's for sure. Um, yeah, the Commander Legends is weird. It's a reprint set, right? Well, uh, most I think it's mostly reprints with seventy, like seventy three or something new commanders, probably. Yeah, I wanna I wanna do a little more research on that before I say for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's mostly reprints. So I think it probably follows the mold of Double Masters, and that something like that it's more likely to be more like it's more likely to be a VIP style product than it is to be a collector booster style product. Um, but who knows? I mean, they could they could do they could throw us for a loop and do a completely new formulation for it. Um, the bottom line is this, the Vampiric Tutors premium versions, all of them are worth money. And I suspect that this is in the same range, as, same realm as Mana Crypt in terms of how they are likely to behave, where, you know, people say, oh, look, you know, should we sell, people asked me things a few weeks ago, like, should we sell Masterpiece Mana Crypts because of, you know, all these new Mana Crypts from Double Masters? And I said, nope, you just hold them because they aren't really likely to move much either direction. There just isn't, there's not going to suddenly be a, a flood of supply as people swap out their inventions for the new one, especially since the inventions are nicer. Um, it's more like that distraction effect. People will be paying more attention to the newer version because it's part of the hype cycle. But overall, these are still mega staples that are going to, all the premium versions will continue to sell. And even if the Double Masters versions do drift down, like the Ultimate Masters uh, box toppers did, and I have my doubts about whether that's going to happen, given what we've seen this week. Um, no, I think you're just going to be fine ho holding whatever and selling it whenever. The Judge Foil Vampiric Tutors, if they 
you can get if you got in on them under 100 and you can get out north of 250 ditto the ema foils you're in great shape and then you could buy what, whatever the next iteration is at a lower price point closer to 100 or whatever and, and walk your way back up and do the same thing all over again yep that's always the plan get your profits get out and uh, move on to the next incredibly juicy target and there are so many right now I mean, one of the things that I would call out, somebody asked me, like, I opened 17 VIP foil packs yesterday um, and did pretty well. We can get... Why 17? That's an, an interesting number of them. We can get into all that <laughs> in segment four <laughs> in detail. But the somebody asked me in, in the Discord today, like, are you keeping any of that for your own decks? Like, which of, that's, which of the, those cards are you putting into your Atraxa build? And I said, like, honestly, when you get to this level of inventory with like a quarter of my house taken up by collectibles and magic cards. Um, I, I just don't get too emotionally attached to any of it, to be honest. Even when I got my Lotus in 2014 or whatever, I really enjoyed owning a Lotus for about a month, and then I just didn't care. Because like, it, it was just sitting in a drawer. There's only so many times you can stare at it. And I don't, don't, didn't have enough of the other cards to be building a really sick old-school deck or anything. So... You know, when I when I traded it for Bitcoin, I didn't miss it at all. Like it, it, it impacted my happiness not a whit. Which is why, in many ways, I wish I really wish I could take a forgetfulness pill and rediscover magic anew. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? That that, that would be well, that would be the best pr- premium product Wizards could release. <laughs> the the you for I mean, you forget everything you know about magic. I don't want to forget everything I know. I mean, you you realize you're going through the Ferengi stages of acquisition, right? Are you familiar with those? Um, only like I'm sure I saw it on Deep Space Nine at some point, but it would have been many moons ago. Yeah, so it's infatuation. You wanted it. You wanted it so bad. Justification. I need to have it. I need a whole set. I gotta have it. Appropriation. You get it. You have it for that month of obsession, and then you sell it again. You do too. You've turned your hobby into a job. You've turned it into a uh, a mechanism for uh, vacations. You've turned it into a a way of building your kid's college fund. Whatever you want to call it, you've found uh, a way to do this, and you don't get to play enough sweet commander games. Is just how it comes down to. You like playing Magic. You just can't rip your head away from the financial side of it. That is the risk when you go down the rabbit hole of embracing the financial side of the game and it's something worth considering if you only have you know if you're real busy got a day job and kids and a wife or partner or whatever and you've only got you know 10 hours to yourself a week do you want to play sweet commander games and drink beers or do you want to think about the prices of cards and uh, i would add cube in there yes (laughs) and everybody's gonna have a different answer there um I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot to be gained, however, from trying to impart the uh, rejection of attachment to to game pieces to a deeper level with the, within the broader Magic community. Because if, you know, we've said a million times, if Magic players would just buy list their cards, cards would be cheaper. That, that's just a fact, because most of the inventory is not on TCG Player. It's tied up in closets. Um, it's indisputable. And people's happiness, their marginal utility that they gain from each additional game piece gets lower and lower and lower the more that they acquire. So a more focused and 
you know, thoughtful collection that is specific to you and, and what you enjoy most about the game is going to go a lot further in terms of, you know, getting you maximum value for your spend than a sprawling collection where a lot of players really just don't even know what they own. I will, you're right about that because uh, I think it was about last summer that I got rid of all of my bulk commons and uncommons, and it was like going all the way back. I had a couple boxes worth of Urza Saga commons and uncommons, and every time I looked over at this shelf that was creaking and full, it was like 40, 800 card boxes, uh, all clearly labeled on the side. I'd organized them like five years ago. Uh, when I got rid of them, I felt nothing but relief that I would never have to move those damn things ever again. I was never going to have to look through them for the dollar cards. I was never going to have to like haul them to a new place to live. Just like the the liberating the liberation value of oh I, if I need a card I'll just spend a quarter on TCG and get it you know I don't have to keep all these bulks around and I'm so much happier now I have space I have the binders I have the spec boxes I you know I mostly organized and it's it's pretty wonderful so I see what you're saying about when you turn your enormous inventory into uh, the job. And you only have so many hours for keeping track of who has sent you your stuff from TCG Player, who hasn't. You know, you get 50 envelopes a day with specs. You're like, ooh, I forgot I bought that. That's a fun feeling. Like you said, you want to take that forgetfulness pill. You should just throw them all in a giant box and open it in five years. That's what you should do. You should make your own VIP booster pack. If I could have the forgetfulness pill, it would be really cool to, like geocache the my entire collection <laughs> all over the world okay, and then now, go find it now we're getting a based, little silly we're based turning, on memento turning you into ducktails or something it's like memento like i'll i'll tattoo yeah. all the instructions on where to find everything anyway moving right along admonition angel at a world wake foils from 20 to 40 this is almost certainly jason alt's fault he's been uh, talking uh, everybody's ear off about this card because he thinks that the Omnath in Zendikar 3 has a white arm according to the revealed art. So maybe Omnath is going to be four color and one of those colors will be white, in which case the angel is suddenly relevant for the EDH decks, assuming that they switch over to that version of Omnath as their commander. This is a reasonable chain of logic, and if he ends up right, he'll look well on point. Um, and if he ends up wrong, no biggie. Um, Boro Signet foils out of Ravnica, $8 to $17. This is an EDH staple, first printing in foil. Red-white decks need Signets more than uh, decks that run green. So no big surprise there. This next one's a little bit unique, a, a sealed product showing up on our list. But Japanese VIP packs for Double Masters were available at pretty close to the same price as English, depending on where you bought them, in the pre-order season in, say, middle of June. And I picked up, I think, eight packs that are on their way to me. And it's very conflicted about these because they the lowest price on eBay right now for these is about 200 a pack. So you're talking about getting in at 375 or so for four of them and getting out near 800 I mean, the problem is, James, as we just talked about, the only thing that gives you that dopamine rush is opening new packs so you don't know what's inside them. But but if I open those Japanese packs and only pull out like four hundred dollars or four hundred and fifty in value, I am not going to be pleased. Now, 
it, it, this is the point where we talk a little bit about what's going on with the Japanese uh, foil force of will box topper, because that certainly plays into the situation. That card is going for upwards of $2,500, $3,000. I've seen listings in Japan over that amount. The um, individual VIP packs in Japan are going as high as $300, somewhere between $250 and $300 per pack. So that would be like 1000 over the $375 entry point. That's pretty crazy. And the... At $3,000, the Japanese foil force of wheel box topper adds some ridiculous amount of EV to the VIP boosters by itself. It's kind of a, a mono Liliana type situation in War of the Spark, where you have a very low chance of pulling it, but not that low. I mean, in, in a VIP pack, it's basically a 1 in 20, right? Because, uh, not, not 1 in 20, it's... Uh, because it's only two-thirds of the time that they're mythics. I'm so, literally doing this math as we speak because I was about to rebut you with this exact math. I'm counting how many... Uh, there's there's uh, 20, 20 mythic box toppers, and you get them two-thirds of the time. So 67, 67% of the time, you have a 1 in 20. Yeah, so that uh, that's 0. 0.6 times 0. 0.5, so you have a 0.03 chance. Yeah, so a three, you have a 3% chance of, of pulling the foil forest. Um, so that's it's, pretty sick. It's 0.66. Somebody's going to send me a message on discord saying I did the math wrong. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I should know better. You're right. It's a little bit better than that. It's like some small infinitesimal amount more that doesn't matter because if you've been following along in the discord, James has been on a tear on opening packs and you're the kind of jerk who's going to open a Japanese VIP pack, and all of a sudden it'll be the first double mythic pack anybody has ever opened. And my, my, fa- my, my father still takes the crown. He has... I opened very reasonably, but I haven't pulled a foil force yet. In 17 packs, I got Jace as my first, which was fine. My modest reputation in pack cracking is, is safe. Then I, got, then I got a Mana Crypt and two Sword uh, of Fire and Ice. So very reasonable top end for 17 packs. My father opened four packs the other night randomly after work and cracked double double force of will and a test card. He got a he he got a test blank card. As one of his foil box toppers? <laughs> no, it's one of his rares. Is it just blank blank? Like it doesn't it's, Yeah, it's got a black a thick black border and it's just blank in the middle. Oh, well, you can't tell that blank from other blanks. That's unfortunate. Like if it had the X or if it was like a foil blank. It's worth more. I know a little bit more about this market, but um, the the foil blank card's not as rare even as the um, the one that says discard on it. Mm-hmm. Still, I've never I've opened literally thousands of packs. I've never seen a blank, so he still beat the odds by a long mile. And, and it's kind of irrelevant what that is worth because he'll never sell it. <laughs> he'll put it in his sleeve and it'll go into his storage closet. Um, but yeah, I mean. The, the foil Japanese Force of Will, even if you have a 3% chance to pull it, if it's $3,000, it's adding like $100 in EV to the Japanese packs. Yeah, That's but crazy. I'm, I'm still reselling the packs, man. I'm not trying to crack that. I'm if, if, When your packs get here, uh, if you want to crack them, you go for that. But you know that you're 
you know, the odds are against you opening $800 worth of, uh, you know, cards. It, it was slightly financially irresponsible to open VIP packs, period. Oh, slightly. Yes. It's way more financially irresponsible to open the Japanese packs. <laughs> Although it, it does depend. I mean, the thing is that Force is not the only big pull. You know, Japanese foil Karn is not going to be, is not trivial. Japanese foil Mana Crypt is not trivial. Jace the Mind Sculptor, Sword of Feast and Famine. There's a lot of cards in there that are going to be going for $200 plus, $300 plus, and up over time. Because VIP, I suspect, is not going to be a every product treatment. I think collector boosters will still be the standard for most sets. That's a, a successful formulation that they can keep tweaking. The where slot management gives them a lot of options and VIPs look like they will be reserved for, you know, premium product reprint releases, which makes a lot of sense because they can, you know, it worked for ultimate masters. It worked in double masters, not sure what they're going to do for commander legends, of course, but you know, we'll see more of this over time because it's proving to be uh, a success. The Finishing up this, the bottom line is the VIP, Japanese VIP packs, you're supposed to sell them. <laughs> yes, Whatever you hear about packs. me doing is irrelevant. You're supposed to sell them. Yes, um, James will open more than he should. And... Because by Christmas, they may just be in, like impossible to find. It, a single booster could end up being 299 US. And if you're in on that was less than 100, that's insane return. It could be one of the best specs of the year. And we did flag it in the Discord when they went up for pre-order and a bunch of the pro traders bought them. So it's going to be very interesting to see who has the discipline and fortitude to keep their hands off their <laughs> their Japanese VIP packs. What set was it that um, they announced there would be more of it? And uh, it was like a summertime set, and then they said there would be more. It turned out to be a very small allocation that actually made it into circulation. Do you remember this? It was it's Eternal. It's Eternal Masters. Eternal, Eternal Masters. Masters? Okay. Yeah, Eternal Masters was a summer set, and then we got more in November, and that right, was cool. one of the the only times we got a significant wave of a set that felt like a reprint when they had said it was limited edition. So with Eternal Masters, there was the new allocation. It wasn't like they printed the same amount of product it was a, a smaller amount that came out into the market and it i think the announcement of the product did more of the the announcement of it did more to depress prices than the actual amount of product that went into circulation so i'm not expecting a huge amount of vip to enter the market later this year but i do think there will be the announcement of more so that's that's what i'm trying to say Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's segment four stuff, but uh, we'll get to that. I don't think that's the case, but we'll get to that after. All right. Um, next on the list, uh, to finish up top paper movers, we've got a bunch of reserve list targeting going on. Undiscovered Paradise being pushed 7 to 16. Hatred 18 to 50. City of Shadows 25 to 75. That's out of the dark. Ancestral Knowledge out of the Weatherlight from 4 to 20. There's no play pattern going on to drive any of this. This is all cards that have marginal play patterns that are being targeted because they're reserve list and are likely to retrace um, while their long-term curve is still upward facing. Um, so you can, as with most reserve list stuff, the best time to buy it was always yesterday and the best time to sell it is whenever you decide that you don't believe that the next stage of ROI exceeds whatever you can get somewhere else. Um, 
Fire Servant caps off the week with foils out of M11 going from $1 to $10 for almost 1,000% gains in theory, um, if you can get somebody to pay that price. This is almost certainly on the back of it being a partner piece with uh, Furnace of Wrath, Fiery Emancipation, Torbran, etc. Basically all the doubling or tripling of uh, red damage cards. Fire Servant does uh, uh, a doubling just like Furnace of Wrath. So you put them all in the same deck and you do silly, silly things with red spells. Preach. All right, moving on to the top M- uh, Magic Online movers of the week. Start with Lotus Petal out of Tempest Remastered, going from 12 and a half or so to about 20 bucks uh, on the back of, uh, I think, probably pretty steady uh, use in Legacy. I don't know if a deck using this card... Uh, won a major tournament recently or not, haven't checked, but I think it's more about a shift in the availability through Treasure Chess or Tempest Remastered would be my guess. Like, this could be a rebound move. Uh, Winota, Joiner of Forces out of Ikoria, going from 11 to 17, 58% gains on the back of Standard, Pioneer, and Commander play. Elvish Reclaimer out of M20, going from 4 to 650 or so for 60% gains on the back of Commander and Legacy play. Ice Fang Coatl, not dead in modern. Uh, this Modern Horizons rare has made me a significant portion of money this year, but uh, nobody seems to be buying them in paper just yet. Over on Magic Online, however, moving from 6 to just over 10 for 66% gains. And capping the week, Elder Gargaroth out of Core 21, going from 14 to 24. It's been played in standard more or less since it was revealed um, or joined the format, but it got played in uh, winning modern lists this week in the green-red Ponza deck that's been around for the last several months um, using Clothis, Blood Moon, etc. And I think they shaved some Glorybringer copies to have a couple of Gargaroths. And then I think I also saw a Teamer Reclamation build in modern that had two of them in the sideboard. So kind of incredible to see a a five-mana creature that doesn't do anything right away kind of a, a weaker version of the, you know, Primeval Titan kind of model doing so well in that format. Yeah, I mean, if, if it lives to, to do one of the amazing things that it does, then you're golden. I'm just uh, surprised that it has a chance to in Modern, considering all the shenanigans that can go on there. But uh, if you're cheating it out one or two turns early, that your odds get that much better. And clearly there's not enough uh, control decks to... Um, to keep this down because you can counter this super easy you know one little essence scatter and you're going to feel real bad yeah all right so we'll move on to the paper cards to watch for this week Uh, i'm going to kick things off with a fresh judge foil birthing pod is out there i think copies are about mid 40s on tcg player over in europe we can get it closer to somewhere between 36 and 40. Um, this is the first distribution pattern for these cards so they should show up at judge in judge conference packs heading into early 2021. Um, so there are some some guesswork. There's some guesswork to be done here. Normally, under normal circumstances, I might grab some now and then look for a deeper low on the as additional waves of this product were handed out to judges over the course of usually about six months. Because we all saw what happened to Travis when he was in early on Elish Norn up near 700 and then it crashed down below 2. Now it's surging back in the other direction up over 4, but that took a while. So 
you want to pick your entry point on the judge foils and they are still being handed out during covid because judges now pay uh, a fee to be part of a program so that program has to service them whether or not there are tournaments i suppose um, but there really aren't tournaments and so the judge program is almost certainly not growing during this period and i would imagine that whatever amount of these promos get printed on schedule are just you know same old same old it's there's a pretty good chance that judges need some money and are going to be dumping these into the market as per usual and but birthing pod is a really big edh card that doesn't very infrequently sees a reprint it could show up in the foil green foil commander product and it could show up in commander legends but if it fades both of those and really if it whether or not it does the judge foils tend to be resilient versus other versions uh presented through reprints i think getting these anywhere under 50 and riding them up into the 65 to 70 zone is probably rock solid i'm with you on that um Birthing Pod's a hard card to argue with. It's one of those, you better kill it before they do broken, disgusting things with it. I'm not expecting to lose immediately to a Birthing Pod, uh, depending on the colors of the Commander deck in question, but I am expecting somebody else to have a lot of fun playing stuff, searching stuff, untapping it, playing other things, doing other things, taking a 10-minute turn, ending up with 30 more permanents in play than myself, and starting the whole cycle over again uh, later on. I I can't argue with uh, the Judge Foil. Um, I'm curious about the distribution pattern, like you said. And, um, you know, this is awesome. I'm, I'm for it. I think Birthing Pod's always a worthwhile pick. All right, tell me about your first pick this week. My first pick this week is uh, Foil Alchemist Refuge out of the Mystery Booster retail version. So the retail version had one slot just for foils. And so you have a, it's a mythic chance at getting a foil. Uh, so you got one in a 121 chance of getting this particular foil. You can get these foils for about four bucks on TCG player right now. And that's the same price as a non-foil from Avison Restored. The only other time it's been printed. The original Avison's Restored foil is 12 bucks. Uh, those are two prices that are way far apart. Uh, I don't know how much Mystery Booster Retail will have a chance to open once stores and events come back. You know, we've got Double Masters, we've got Jumpstart, we've got Mystery Booster. I can attest to how awesome a format Mystery Booster is. I did nothing else at uh, in, at uh, Magic Fest Reno earlier this year. God, that was so long ago. But, um, like... These foils at four bucks are a steal, and um, I think you should stock up, especially for personal copies, if you've been meaning to get a foil version of this. Buy list backing on these at Card Kingdoms about buck eighty, two thirty four in credit. Um, inventory is still relatively deep, so I wouldn't be in a hurry to pick these up. I think as a price point to pick up a personal copy, you're absolutely right. You can't go wrong with say four fifty shipped. Um, it's going to take a little while. For these to drain out but they do have strong edh demand to back them i think refuge is in something like 13 percent of all the decks that can run it and currently has almost 15,000 decks reported on edh rack so it's a definitive stable um and it's the kind of deck that isn't really commander specific it fits in pretty much a whole bunch of green blue decks um 
and is only going to have more homes over time. It definitely represents open-ended synergy, given that its you know, core function is to let you cast things at instant speed. So yeah, I, I like the pick. I don't think I'd want to be super deep on it until I see the market hollow out a bit further, and I'm still a little uncertain how much more Mystery Booster product is going to show up in the market. Whether, you know, if, if in Q2 2021 tournaments got turned back on, would they immediately just say, you know, treat April 2021 like it was April 2020 and run through the rest of 2021 with Mystery Boosters available? at GPs, or would there be a new Mystery Booster product with a whole new formulation and a different card list? Even if it's a new version of Mystery Boosters, like Mystery Booster 2021 or something, I worry that that list was so big that they might treat it like a cube and not swap the whole list out, just let swap part of the list out. So there are there are some factors to consider there, I think. All right, that's fair. But uh, remember, it's a uh, only it takes 121 packs to get one more Alchemist Refuge foil. So true. I feel yeah. pretty good about that. But yeah, you, they, you, they aren't they aren't to be treated as foil rares per se. They are mythics. Right. So, so you basically have a mythic level chance of finding one. That was my thinking. Yes. Okay. Uh, my first pick this week uh, is similarly problematic. Avenger of Zendikar foils out of Double Masters were as low as 6 or $7. So if you scooped them at that price last week, you're in real good shape. I still like them in the 10 to $12 range, and there's not that many left. Um, Double Masters cards have been targeted all week. Combination of people just buying stuff at their lows because they need it for decks. And clearly speculators and vendors jumping into the ring as they realize that the print run for this set does not seem tremendously high at least so far, and the market seems to be absorbing it relatively well. And some of these cards, their alternate versions, are very expensive indeed. In the case of Avenger of Zendikar, it's had multiple printings and commander products, but only as a non-foil. The only other foil was the original World Wake pack foil, and they are sitting in and around $40 with very little supply in the market. Um, it didn't get a box topper, so there's no competition there. And you can get these these foils down you know in and around 10 to 12 dollars on tcg right now and i think you'll be able to ride them up to 20 to 25 i mean there are two big pitfalls later this year in commander legends and the green commander set um the commander sets with the weird thing because uh every wpn store gets non-foil uh, box sets, but the premium stores get the premium sets, which will have a premium price and probably new art and everything. Uh, I'm, I, I, I get that this is a low price. I mean, $12 for a foil Avenger seems nutty given, you know, how many people want to play this card is always the thing that, um, I anticipate, you know, it's besties with crater hoof behemoth that just got a reprint. So like, I, I see where you're coming from, but I, I can't bring myself to buy these with two more sets to come this year that have a really high chance of having it. Here's the thing. I think the reprint risk is actually a different product entirely. I think it's Commander uh, Zendikar Rising. We're getting two Commander decks, and one of which is almost certain to be Omnath-related and be Landfall-themed. And Avenger of Zendikar has shown up twice previous in 
Lands Matters style commanders could easily do that again here as a non-foil. Now, could it sh could it show up in the green foil commander product? Yeah, totally. Wizards has sent the signal this year that most of the time, two reprints in a year is not going to happen, but it's not impossible. So we have to at least consider it. And I think you're absolutely right to flag there's risk. The thing is, Double Masters prices are moving so fast, like the ramp is so steep on these foils, there's only 13 results on TCG Player. This set just came out. There should be more than 13 results. We're going to get to that. Don't worry. We're going to talk about that. Pe people chomped up those 6 to $10 copies real fast, and there's very little left. So I think if you bought, you know, bite off a small handful of these, given the, the risks, you're probably fine. Because even if that premium uh, product is in place, it's probably less of a risk to these foils, unless the art's amazing, than more Double Masters product is more generally speaking okay all right what's your second pick uh my next pick this week is uh pack foil uh, archangel of thune from double masters uh i think they're you can get around 17 right now uh there's two other versions in foil and they're both around 40 dollars. so this is a mythic in double masters i realize we got double the mythics but nonetheless this is way less than uh, the other versions that are available from uh, Iconic Masters and from, I think, M11 or M14. Um, it's in a ton of uh, Commander decks, you know, because whenever you gain life, you get the counters. And, you know, with not, uh, without a box topper to worry about, there's no, you know, special chase version to go for. This is just a Mythic that is much lower priced than every other copy that has existed and I'm, I'm only thinking it's gonna even if it goes up to 30 which would be you know 75 percent of the current foil costs uh, it's gonna gain you a, a bunch of value on this and you should get in on your archangels while you can okay if i can buy avenger of zendikar i can definitely buy archangel of thune they're they're both mythics in, in the same set with similar demand profiles overall the the thing to point out, even though you know you mentioned that there are you get double rares or mythics in packs of double masters, true, but they more than doubled the mythics. It's not fifteen mythics in this set; it's forty. So you're getting them twice as often, but you're getting them out of a a pool that is actually, um, you know, two point five times bigger than it normally would be. Sorry, one one. 1.5? 1.5 times bigger than it normally would be. So the mythics are actually more mythic than usual. More mythic than usual. Oh, I'm going to make that uh, a band name? My fantasy football team. I don't, I'm not sure which, but I like it's that. A pretty, it's a pretty good garage band name, actually. Yeah. More mythic than usual. All right, what's your last pick this week? My next pick is another mythic from the set that seems to be hollowing out. This time I'm talking about Brea Ethereum Shaper card that I called a ways back, maybe 18 months ago, that made people money um, when we were talking about the original uh, Commander foil printing. Uh, this is the first non-foil printing of the card, so I'm calling the non-foil version in at around 6 or 7 bucks to get up to 15 uh, It's buy list backed on CK with about $6 worth of credit, so there's very little downside, and that buy list backing is probably going to get better, not worse, as time goes on and inventory drains into the market. It's one of the top 15 commanders this week, um, seeing some resurgence as a commander that you can get out of Double Masters boxes that gives people you know, an opportunity to build around it. 
and it's very excellent open-ended synergy for the long haul. It's, it's you know Jason was talking about how you know who's really building Atraxa, but I think he's under uh, valuing what it means to be one of the top commanders ever. It's not just that people built those decks ages ago and now nobody's building it. I don't, I don't think that's the pattern. I think built, people are building it less than when it originally came out, but some of these commanders are just so good, so interesting, so many different ways to build around them that they will continue to be built. And I don't think Brea or Atraxa are flash-in-the-pan commanders. I think they are commanders with longevity. And CK's buy-list backing for this suggests that they agree. So I think that the the 7 to 15 call for 100% plus gains is probably pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, if you can get it for 7 and uh, CK's buying it for six do- for around $6, close enough, uh, it's hard to imagine that's not going to be uh, pretty safe. You know, it's always a good feeling to know you're not going to go any lower. And it also didn't get a box topper. And, that, and that's, that is true of all three of these mythics avenger archangel brea no box toppers so no multiple version confusion no multiple version competition but they're still mythic and they're actually as we said more mythic than usual oh man what's your third pick my last pick this week is uh the judge foils of thawing glaciers from like year 2000 when they were handing out these foils you can get them for around 55 dollars right now um, a couple years ago in 2018, they hit 200 and uh, a couple of them went even higher than that. Uh, individual copies might've hit 250, but it's a reserve list card. hasn't been targeted yet. Uh, right now there's only 14 near mint for near mint of the foil on TCG, uh, total copies with all conditions. It's almost none. Uh, this is one of the only ways to get your land to trigger landfall repeatedly. And if we get some new sweet landfall commander in, uh, you know, Zendikar 3, which seems likely, I hope, um, this is going to make you look real good. Uh, it was used in control decks for the longest time as a way to just grind out more lands without having to, you know, worry about drawing the lands. It's got this weird-ass play pattern where you bounce it at the end of the turn. But uh, getting the Judge Foil of a reserve list card is feeling pretty good, especially if you can get it at a, a pretty good, you know, near $60 price. Yeah. So I, I have no problem seeing this in that 55 to 80, 90, 100 over some period of time range, yeah. All right, you want to tell us about our uh, our reader pick of the week, or Discord member cast pick of the week? So Pro Trader member Demonic Tutor wins the $25 gift certificate from Cool Stuff Inc. this week for pointing out that Azusa Lost But Seeking Foil Extended Arts um, are out there available around $20 right now. And are very likely to get back up into the thirty-five or forty-dollar range, you know, given six, twelve months, for say seventy-five percent plus gains. It's in thirteen thousand plus decks recorded on EDH Rec. It's a modern card where it's usually played as a four of. That the variants of that deck uh, are multiple and never seem to really get kicked out of the format, no matter what else, what other broken things are happening objectively there, there's a judge foil there's the original foil but objectively the foil extended arts are the best version you know if, if you just do a quick survey on tcg and consider the versions side by side it's pretty clear that the core 21 version is the best and those only came out of collector boosters and we are well past peak supply on those yeah i when this got suggested to us um i <coughs> excuse me 
I was really surprised that we hadn't actually uh, picked this recently. Um, I remember talking about it a bunch of times, like it, Azusa cratered in price and, you know, started to creep back up. But I really thought that we would have picked this at some point. It turns out we haven't. So uh, good on you for noticing and uh, enjoy the store credit. Yep, that was a good one. Um, all right, so we'll move on to the topic of the week. We're just taking a survey of the, you know, the things that have been going on with Double Masters this week. We've already covered some of this, but we'll get into it in a little, a little more depth or cover the angles we haven't quite explored. We've talked about how the Japanese VIP packs have taken off. Seems like there's been some drawdown on the availability of cheaper English VIP packs as well, but that inventory is still clearly in the market. We're hearing from various channels that there's four or five major distributors in the U.S., and it's not clear to me that all of them are sold out of VIP packs, but at least a couple of them are. And we knew from earlier information that Wizards really wanted the VIP packs to be a big deal and wanted more of them to flow into the distribution channels. But distributors were hesitant to bite because the base price of the product was so high. And vendors in the midst of COVID, you know, your uh, local gaming stores can only take on so much of this product if they don't think that their local community can absorb a lot of it. They don't want to be stuck holding and having to, you know, get into the race to the bottom online. So it seems as though less of this was has been flowing into the market versus what Wizards in, intended. But that doesn't mean that there isn't some me sidestep people are saying this is a single print run product that it that may be so but we don't know what percentage of that print run is so far has so far entered the market at minimum you know guesses in our discord today something like 30 or 40 percent of the print run could still just be in transit i got a bunch of product yesterday that i opened but i have a bunch more product that is still floating around in the UP at the very heavily damaged USPS network in the US. And lots of our members have said that their orders didn't ship because it seems as though some of the VIP product came from overseas, both English and Japanese. And some of the vendors seem to have their allocations locked up in, you know, border processing. So I suspect that one of the reasons TCG has hollowed out so easily this week is that both vendors and players have not yet yet gotten their hands on their VIP packs. It's also possible that some proportion of this inventory is being held by speculators or vendors hoping that they're going to be able to flip these packs for 150, 175, 200 a pack a little further down the road. So the story is still emerging and there's also the fact that Europe didn't seem to have as much VIP up front as North America did. They seemed to be opening more of the regular Double Masters boxes. But most of our major European vendor partners have confirmed that they will have foil VIP very, very shortly. So they are, whether that is because it took this long for it to move through distribution in Europe and get into the hands of the vendors there uh, is not 100% clear to me. But I can assure you that any 
dumping of VIP boxes in Europe will just make their way back to North America again anyway, or possibly to Japan, since that seems to be where prices are spiking the hardest. Um, does that all make does that all make sense? It does. Um, as a guess, as an estimation, because uh, I I know that this um, is not something we're not going to have easy access on, but how much of the the VIP product is in um, players' hands at any it got sold to players? Like I bought uh, a box of VIP off eBay uh, early on in the thing, and um, like how much of it is just vendors and retailers just dumping their stuff to players because they, the, I don't, I didn't get mine until today and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm going to have to put it somewhere else. So I can't look at it cause I don't want to open it. I, I, I'm unclear on the point. Are you asking what percentage oh. of people that bought the product were pure players as opposed to player vendors, player speculators? Or are you asking, are you asking what percentage of it is being absorbed by players never to return to the market? I'm actually asking what percentage of it um, didn't uh, get opened and pre-sold by vendors. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you for helping me clarify that question. I, I don't think vendors, by and large, opened it. Like we, oh, we have some very we have some very prominent examples of vendors who did. Michael Caffrey of Tales of Adventure has been all over social media talking about his adventures in cracking. I think it was low single digit thousands of VIP yeah. packs. Thought he said um, two thousand, yeah. And and pre ordering uh, with gusto, so that that certainly has gone on. But it can't be the majority, the plurality of vendors doing that because the TCG inventory is too low. Mm. Um, I I think there's way more of this product still sealed than there is that has been cracked. Okay, and, that's that's the and, main thing. And I also think that even if that isn't true. If a lot of it was um, opened by vendors, a lot of that has already flowed into player hands, whether it was sealed or unsealed. And the bigger o overarching point is that players seem to be absorbing this without attempting to flip it. So for instance, somebody posted a picture of a, uh, a pack today that was unconfirmed. But he said his friend opened a VIP pack. And inside the VIP pack, there was three regular booster box uh, box topper packs that have the two non-foil box toppers in them. So that means in their VIP pack, they got the normal VIP cards and then got six non-foil box toppers. That's pretty outstanding. Now, the, you might look at that if you opened it. If that was real and you're that player... Financially speaking, the best thing to do there is, you know, pick one or two of those cards to keep for yourself and flip the rest to cover, you know, what you paid on the VIP packs. That's not what that player did. According to that person's friend, I mean, according to that, yeah, according to that person's friend, they said they're just keeping all those cards. Like they're going straight into decks. And if, if straight into decks is the general sentiment with most of these cards, and keep in mind that people like Professor and Kenobi and whatever were pointing pointing fingers at Double Masters real, real hard about how it's such a bad product and it's bad for the game and it's bad for the players. And honestly, I've just lost all respect for that position or that I series of positions. I knew this rent was coming, yeah. Because they're being proven wrong day after day after day. Not only is the product supremely popular, 
The box topper list is excellent, which is why players are going to, going to absorb those cards, because it's a great list of cards and there's great art on them. And whether they're foil or non-foil, they're still desirable to own and to use. And just a tremendous amount of reprints in this set, and a ton of the related cards have crashed really, really hard. Like, incredibly hard versus their prices previous to Double Masters. Like, we're going to work up an article on how many price like how many reprints there were this year and how and the original price of the cards in question and what they are at today players are getting may not have fetch lands yet but a they're going to get them and b it doesn't matter because literally hundreds of other cards have gotten way way cheaper this year and those entry points you know like when you're opening the foil vip packs you get to the foil rares and you treat them like chaff <laughs> Like, you get, like, a foil sculpting steel and a foil whatever Avenger of Zendikar, and you're like, oh, that's nice. You don't care, because the next the next two cards are worth between $25 and $350. <laughs> so foil rares are, like, the foil new foil commons. Like it, you can get so many foil commons, foil uncommons, and foil rares out of Double Masters for dirt, dirt, dirt cheap right now. If you are if you're into foils, this whole this new policy shift is a wonderland because you have access to dozens or hundreds of cards that you're interested in in their in one of their nicest versions for next to nothing because they're just printing regular foils into oblivion now. And and that's totally fine cuz collectors have been hand, you know even though some of these foils are now you know a loss for some vendors for a lot of the player base, they're you know the ones that are interested in premium product. They're just going to switch to the new versions, the extended art foils, the box toppers, whatever. And they've got new things to think about. So it's not like they removed the top end of the market. They just shifted it all up one. Right. You know that's so when individual collectors, well, individual players, I should say, you know, they've made it very clear that Commander is the the format driving a lot of things. A friend of mine. Uh, said in one of our group chats that uh, Double Masters feels like Commander Masters because almost all the cards in here are awesome in Commander. And that's the point, is they're trying to print cards that are awesome in the biggest format in Magic. Now, they they don't sell booster packs for Commander, but I, I mean, I, I guess uh, Commander players open a lot of booster packs hoping for the sweet card. But now you get to get you know, you're, like you said, you can get the foil one for about the same price as the non-foil, which is astounding if you think about where we were a year ago when uh, they just uh, when they just uh, changed the corset foil drop rate. But introducing that new level of collectability in the extended arts has meant that just regular foil is not worth that much more than a pack non-foil, which is awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, Double Masters, I, it, the midterm outlook for Double Masters is pretty hazy to me right now because a lot depends on how much more of this product comes to the market. You mentioned earlier thinking that more VIP was coming, and I don't think there's going to be another print run. It seems to be the story. The narrative seems to be that there's a single print run. I do think, wonder how much of the total print run, let's call it 15%, is sitting around in warehouses and will be shipped later. But given how hard the prices are charging on the foil box toppers, like EV from last Friday is up 40% or something. 
depending on where you want, like which exact price metric you're going to reference and from which date stamp you're, you know, from which date stamp to which date stamp, but you know, anywhere from 20 to 50%, depending on which days you pick. So foil box offers are not crashing like people thought they would, at least so far. Now I was telling people in the discord today, you know what? Some of this looks too tasty to ignore. If you were, if you just cracked, you might just want to sell into this supply challenge and maybe re-roll the dice or move on to something else because you can still get VIP packs at about the same price, somewhere between 340 for four to 400 for four. And, you know, the ones I cracked last night, you know, this is not an average. This is not an EV calculation. This is just my results. So take it with a you know heavy grain of salt because I think I opened above average but not crazy. Um, my total was something like seventeen hundred on the foil box toppers. Just on those. Yeah, two hundred dollars on the mythics and rares. Pull the foil chrome box, etc. Uh, foil uncommons and commons and foil lands. They're sub five dollars, so I normally wouldn't count them, but they're another forty. Uh, on the un- foil uncommons and because you got things like foil basalt monolith and whatever foil oubliettes four bucks um, foil path of exile is like eternally three dollars and then the foil uh, unhinged lands the john avon john uh, avon arts range from like 350 to six dollars the with the the island being at the top end so that's another 60 bucks so that's over two thousand dollars in value at retail and my cost in was fourteen forty five, and that's buying at a strong retail price, like about the lowest that anybody got them at at retail, um, like three forty, so about eighty five dollars a pack. But think about what the like you know the Michael Caffrey's of the world opened at. He probably opened at something like seventy five dollars a pack, maybe seventy dollars a pack. He bought large volumes, so it's hard to say exactly what his price was. Um, but let's say that his in would have been closer to, you know, somewhere between 1200 and 1400 And if he's opening on average somewhere between 1800 and 2200 in the same amount of product that I open, the implied profit, if you can sell through everything, is something like 35 or 40%. Now, if you only sell through half of your stuff or you open poorly, you might actually be in the red or break even once you account for 15% fees and shipping. So these are not auto wins by any means. They are what we said, called them out to be right up front. They are really, really good lottery tickets. Because normally if you buy a $100 lottery ticket, your odds of winning more than say $20 back are very low. Yeah, it's like one in five or something. It's pretty bad. But these things you're probably more or less where I said you'd be, plus minus 20%, right? Right. Like, and that's pretty good. If the if VIPs get scarce in a hurry, and if foil box toppers never really fill back into what they were last Friday, then they're probably not going to behave like Ultimate Masters box toppers. They're going to behave like a product that has sold out. <laughs> Right. And they're they're going to continue a march upward. Now, some of these prices are already so sky high, like the foil mana crypts, very expensive, foil force of wills, very expensive, Jace, etc. It's hard to imagine how much ROI they really have to give. But 
some of the lower ones, like the really cheap ones, like say foil, box topper, lightning greaves. Well, the, the masterpiece is worth like 80, 90, 100 bucks right now. The invention version. Right. Could the, bo- could the box topper go 20 to 40 in a year? Sure. If the supply is challenged, the lightning, lightning greaves actually has the best play pattern of all the box toppers, at least in EDH. It's in 120,000 decks on EDH rack. It's in 40% of all decks that can run it because giving your commander haste and being able to protect it from point removal is killer. The only card that's even close is Cyclonic Rift at 91,000 decks. 91,000 people are that level of jerk. That's how well, I like more, to think of it. A, a lot more than that, right? Because well, yeah, yeah, but that's just a that's a representative slice of the market. And so the the TCG market value on say foil cyclonic rift is fifty four dollars. Doesn't make sense to me that lightning greaves should be at twenty four. I mean, the art is not my favorite. It's medium, and the invention art is clearly better. But the frame is better. I'm I'm willing to argue on the art, but continue your point. You might be right. I think it could be overall the card. Uh, I like the look of it better. The, the The point is simple: that Lightning Greaves is probably not a twenty dollars foil box topper, pending supply of VIP packs. I mean, that's the thing you got to keep your eye on. But the opportunity exists given how low the number of listings is for a lot of these foil box toppers. All of a sudden as they've been scooped. I, I don't think we need to wait. Like people were laughing about how, oh my gosh, Tron lands. Those are uncommons. How dare they? Yeah. Dude, those started near 20. Some are between 20 and 30, depending on where you were buying them. Now they're between 40 and 50. And that took less than a week. And you could sell a full playset of them right now real easily for say, what, 40 plus 50, 130. You could get one fourteen ninety nine on a set of the three of them, no problem right now. P- people were reporting in our Discord today that they were posting stuff on TCG Player and it was selling in two to three hours. I mean, like here's here's the thing: is that with the uh, with the box toppers and the VIP packs, um, the question has to be: Are you going to buy? Right now, like let's you, you mentioned Lightning Greaves a minute ago. It's one of my favorite uh, ones in this uh, in the, the set of box toppers because it is so ubiquitous. And the question is, um, would you uh, are you a buyer of Lightning Greaves right now, uh, whether in foil for around I'm looking at TCG right now. It's around 25. You can go a little lower on a couple of individual copies, but it's mostly about 25. And then the non-foils are in the 18 to 19 range. So do you think the time is right now to buy? Or is the time, do you want to buy in a week or two weeks or a month or two months? Normally we call it, we talk about peak supply as being four to six weeks out. But under COVID, it feels like peak supply is shorter, shorter and shorter. I agree with you because, on that. Because you don't have the paper play to create extensive openings. The other thing that that's different here is that, you know, people have been making a lot of comparisons between the Ultimate Masters box toppers and the foil VIPs. The thing there is that Ultimate UMA boxes were still being opened months later. 
it's unclear whether the market will have enough foil VIPs sitting around to have the same thing going on. But the safe play is probably to be selling now into the supply challenges, you know, and to be honestly, by the time some people hear this, it might even be too late. Like the market might be filling back in by the weekend. It did move Um, really, really fast this past weekend. And that's one of the things that, um, like I expect that level of market movement when it comes to magic online, because you have automated bots and you have instant, you know, access to your collection. There's no difficulties there, but the number of prices that dropped and came back up, um, were really impressive. Like the Urzalans you mentioned, uh, when they got announced, people were, were down on them and the, the prices started falling and then they started coming back up. So now we have to, figure out where things are going to go in that in that pattern of who's still got them uh, sealed up, ready to sell, who's going to crack them, who's going to you know, be the one to, to do that, because we don't have in-store stuff to do that at all, and it's just people at home upgrading their decks, and there's a lot of us who are doing that. I'm still really surprised at the number of people who are buying, you know, super expensive Force of Will at home. Yep, because the the collectible aspect of this hobby is being underestimated, is continuously underestimated, because the focus from Wizards' promotional side for so many years was the Pro Tour. Play the game, see the world. And people thought that the Magic community revolved around competitive. And when when elements of the MGG Finance community were putting up their hand and saying, wait, 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 casual is the biggest contingent and any major vendor who has been on the floor at gps and look and keeps good stats knows what they sell and of course if it's a standard gp they sell a lot of standard cards there's also this constant undercurrent of casual and and then the upswing in commander interest over the last five to ten years has been this massive awakening of the potential of non-competitive constructed play so if we're looking at things and trying to figure out what to hold and what to sell i think if you open you know say you got you know four hundred dollars worth of vip product like you paid 350 360 whatever and you've got four packs worth and you crack and you get a crypt and a jace and whatever keep whatever you you feel really excited to keep flip the stuff that is already real pricey if you open a foil force of will and you don't personally care to have it then flip it it might get up another 50 or 100 this year but it might retrace 50 or 100 this year it's really hot right now may as well sell it if you if you've got a contact in japan buy list it in japan the buy lists are insane over there right now the because what you can do is then re-roll the dice if you open a force you can sell it and basically buy four more packs <laughs> if you open a foil mana crypt you're you're about halfway there you can get two more packs and that seems totally fine because once you made the decision to buy vip uh you were either going to be holding it hoping hoping that the market hollows out and they get up to 150 to 200 as we said earlier or you were planning on cracking it and when you decided to crack it like i did yesterday you know that it's suboptimal in terms of the amount of time you're going to spend selling those things. But at least in the case of the VIPs, it's very top heavy. 
Like, yeah. I only have to sell the top 20 cards I opened to get a really big chunk of my capital back. And if I was forced to sit on it for a little while, whether it goes up on average 20% or goes down on average 20%, it's not going to be a huge difference either way. The, the, the cards I opened, the, like their relative value to each other is more or less fixed. You're not going to see a lot of jostling for position between them. But I think the stuff that has the most potential is the cheapest foil mythics. You know, so if something like foil sneak attack is currently 38, might that be 80 next year? Yeah, that could end up as a card to watch. Um, and then the stuff like the Tron lands that people were laughing about, I just think it's hilarious because I'm already seeing copies of Tower, you know, down closer to 40 today after they were closer to 50 yesterday. So when I started t- telling people to sell them last night, that was probably correct because they might move to 60, but they might move to back towards 25. And VIP is a unique formulation, a unique distribution model. We don't 100% know what's going to happen. So selling the stuff you crack that you don't need into a supply uh, you know, a supply gap is usually correct. It was correct with Jumpstart. It was correct with uh, Godzilla cards out of Ikoria. It uh, was not correct <laughs> with Foil Amanos last year. Um, but very, very few things are going to be foil amanos. Well, you know, you're talking about you open your packs and you take your profit off the top end, which is always a, an awesome plan, especially if you can just keep the other things around. And that's um, that's why you and I both picked uh, some foil uh, mythics out of the regular double masters is because, like you said, those foil slots in the VIP pack, they're the, the chaff because you're looking right at the, the box topper foils, that's what you care the most about. That's your your big, big, big hit. But you're still getting, you know, if I can get a foil Archangel and, or a foil Avenger that's 12 or 17 in, in those slots or some other foil rare, like your, your value is there if you're willing to put in the time right now. And, you know, we're advocating that some of these are at their lowest prices and it's time to buy and... I, I, uh, some of these others, so, I, I do believe it's time to sell. What are you so, saying? So, so peep this. Haruya, the biggest, the basically the SCG of, of Tokyo, is offering 400, 425 US or so for English foil force of will. Criminy. On buy list. That's cash. That's not credit. That's cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're... they're they have They're a trading credit bonus? Like, can I just send them a force and get myself, like, a cradle? They're, they're offering 1800 on the Japanese version. Buy list. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it really they're is. They're offering 1800 Do they have any for sale? I think they're sold out. And their posted price is, like, 2800 or 3000 or something. Christ almighty. That's a lot. <laughs> But yeah, that's... so I mean, it's it's hard for me to picture that getting much higher, because even in a mono moving from four thousand to five thousand is only twenty percent. So, you you don't have to feel bad if you if you choose to get off a little early. But how many people would it take deciding I am going to go for the most expensive version of Force of Wills? Because when we start playing Legacy again, I want to show off that I put the money down on the playset of foil Japanese forces 
you know, legacy is a real, like, admire my greatness kind of thing when it's played in person. You're talking, if you're asking how many legacy players are going to put 12 grand in the forces, I think that the answer is very, very few. But it doesn't take that many. That's my point, especially at play sets. I, I think that the point stands. If yes. I open a Japanese foil force, I'm selling it. I, I won't be I'm in a rush. I, I'm not going to do it in a week or whatever. But even if there's more VIP product coming in the next four to six weeks and the true peak supply point with the best prices is actually six weeks out, which is normally what we'd expect, but it's just unclear to me whether that's going to be true here. The Japanese VIP product, I do not expect to get any less rare <laughs> because it's so, the prices are so sky high on some of the key cards here that even if Jap- Japan got another 20% of their original print run printed, so what? The, the world will absorb it instantly. Yeah. It, if I see any Japanese product posted at $500 US for four packs, I'm in. That's 125 a pack. That's 50 more than I paid per pack before. I think 150 is probably a pretty reasonable end too. Might might be because currently lowest price is 200, and then it jumps to 230 on eBay. Yeah. So the there's a lot going on here. I think one of the things to point out uh, that we alluded to in our uh, cards to watch this week is that the mythics that didn't get box hoppers are cards to watch just as a, as a class of cards. You know, you talked about that any of the mythics that see high levels of play that didn't get box toppers and are in a pool of 40 mythics, not 15. So, you know, counterbalanced by the two rares or mythics per pack, yes, but it's still, there's still more mythic than usual. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say it, it's good. So, so we're already we got good prices on that stuff from our European vendors on our first singles buy. We'll get them. We'll probably get good prices on them again on the next wave of cracking out of Europe. And I, I, I could see this set playing out very similarly. And I'm talking regular the stuff out of the regular boosters here to Eternal Masters, right? Where there may well be an additional wave at a smaller volume near Christmas or six months out or whatever, because Wizards sees an opportunity to milk it, especially if the prices have gotten really high really fast again. Wizards will have every reason to say, well, we, we, it, if if co- the, pre- the printing presses under COVID will support it, because that's certainly one of the factors. Like Jumpstart was delayed in Europe because they wanted to get more VIP foil packs printed. That's the story I heard. So... If printing presses are still that much of a challenge, we've seen the uh, secret layers get delayed over and over again this year. If they're having trouble with printing presses for the short run stuff, you know, the any of the products that are not standard boxes, then, you know, Double Masters could be tricky to get more of into the market if it wasn't already sitting in the warehouse. And if that's the case, I could see a lot of this stuff rebounding in a month or three months or six months. And I feel very confident that the best cards in the set are going to be in really good position a year from now. Yeah. My, minus whichever of them get a reprint, given that given that Wizards has signaled <laughs> it's not going to be 50 reprints a year now. It's going to be three to 500. 
Yeah, but I I think that um, while the cards will get a reprint like in their basic frame, uh, like in the set booster, like you said, with the list, I wish they'd come up with a better name than that. Yeah. Um, the the box toppers uh, should be uh, relatively safe. Um, I think if we get to the end of the year and we don't get another announcement on VIP stuff, I think I'm going to be moving in pretty hard because a lot of this... Um, I, I keep talking about Lightning Greaves, and I, I'm looking at TCG right now, and my finger is over all of the add-to-cart buttons on these awesome, awesome, awesome cards that are played in almost all the Commander decks. And it just looks cool, man. I love it. I want to get a lot of these, and uh, there's other box toppers I enjoy as well. But if you are somebody who bought one VIP pack... What would you tell this player who spends a couple thousand dollars a year uh, total on Magic? And they're like, oh, I'm going to buy this one pack. It's going to be sweet. That person's probably going to open it. And they are, if they open like a Force of Will, I would tell them to sell it. Unless they're going to, they, you know, they got a competitive EDH deck they want to put into. And all the other cards are just going to get absorbed in. And I, I think that pattern's going to hold over time that the, the higher-end ones are going to um, pay for a lot of the, the foil rares and the foil mythics and the foil uncommons that are also in there. So I don't want to do any buying right now. I want to let prices settle a little bit more and let the supply maximize itself in the next week or two, and then I'm buying. Is that better? Yeah, I, I, I think I agree on the lower-end stuff. Okay. I, I'm in... I'm in Let's say there's something like foil oubliettes, and they are currently four dollars. They're probably going to end up at two fifty. Because yeah. you every time you open one of these VIP packs, you get a pile of foils, and they are, all, ostensibly, they are going to some of them are going to flow into the market. Mostly from vendor hands, because players will probably absorb them since they don't have easy ways to buy lists right now, other than putting together digital buy list cards online. Um. But the EV, if the EV flows upward on the foil box toppers, then the lower end foils have to get cheaper. That's how EV works until we run out of product. Now, once something sells out, EV can decouple from the wholesale cost because the wholesale cost no longer anchors the cracking process. If the EV of a box is 120 and you can get boxes at 75 because you're Michael Caffrey, mid-tier vendor cracking a lot of product and doing a volume deal then you can keep you can reliably crack assuming that you're going to sell x percentage of your inventory within you know y number of months and going to going to end up in a solid position but right if 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 you're michael caffrey and you can no longer get any product from your distributors now prices are free to float against demand because supply is now cut off. So the more the copies are, are sold, the higher the price will float. Which is what happens to all Magic cards in between their reprints. Yes. Okay. So an another point to, thing to point out is there was a lot of the talk up front when prices were first getting posted about how there's so many more foil box toppers than non-foil box toppers and foils are going to be either equal or less than the non-foil box toppers. And for a brief moment in time, for you know a few days or several days, the non-foils were worth more. 
But then people actually started cracking these things and seeing how sweet the foils were. And now the foil pre- there is indeed a f- premium on the foil box toppers, and it's an average of 36% or so. So the total value of all the non-foil box toppers is about $1,895, according to TCG Market tonight. And the foils are about $2,575. Yeah, that, uh, I'm glad... I'm glad to see that, quite honestly. I'm not ready for a world where non-foils are more expensive than foils. There are a lot of the things I've learned about Magic Finance over the years have changed, and uh, I'm really, like, give me one rule that stays true for a, a little while longer, please. And, and in fact, there are almost no examples left where the non-foil is more expensive. Goblin Guide is about a buck more expensive than non-foil, and that's about it. All the rest are carrying a foil premium now. And, and for instance, in the case of, say, Force of Will, foils are up over 400 US, and non-foils are at about 250 So any, any, any upfront talk about how the foils were going to be worth less than the non-foils has been proven wrong, at least in the short term. Thank goodness. So what's it going to take for you to ship me all your extra lands for my cube? Well, one of the problems there is that half of those lands are Noah Bradley lands. So those are are dead to us. And uh, fortunately, the tremendous lands from Unhinged were not Noah Bradley. They are John Avon. And they are selling for about 10 times what the Bradley lands are on TCG. As I said, they're like three fifty to six bucks or something, and the Bradley lands are closer to a dollar. Yeah, and um, one of the things about uh, if you're opening the VIPs in multiples like you did, um, you get to find somebody to sell those to as a as a bundle, and save yourself on shipping and fees and everything. That's the other thing about the Japanese VIP packs, right? Is that you get foil Japanese versions of the Avon lands that never existed before because Unhinged was not printed in Japanese, because the idea, the jokes in Unhinged are so North American (laughs) that they probably don't translate well into other cultures. And so those have, you know, the Avon Island out of Unhinged has never been in any other language before. And the Japanese foils are probably going to be serious gainers, I would guess. Yeah, that that seems pretty likely to me uh the the avon lands are the ones in foil correct yes well you get non-foils and foils in the vip packs you get two foils and you get a stack of non-foils oh somehow i thought you got uh like one of each in foil and then one of each in non-foil no 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 you got you only get two foils and it can be a mixture of bradley or avon uh zendikar or uh unhinged lands and then you get a, a stack of mixed non-foils. I think it's maybe 10 or something. Okay. Good to know. Uh, anything else you want to add about Double Masters, buying, selling, VIPs? Anything else that comes to mind? The EDH stuff's still cheaper in Europe. So that's where members who have access to Europe, either through ProTrader or on their own, that's where they should be looking, are European members or... You know, people that are listening from Europe should be looking for their chance to grab bricks on Magic Card Market and buy list them to, say, Card Kingdom or one of the other major uh, buy lists, Cool Stuff, Channel Fireball, whoever, uh, has the most attractive prices at the time. And 
you know, if you can get your hands on Japanese VIP, awesome for you. If we catch wind of the premium product for Commander Legends and it exists in another language, awesome. But I suspect that with Commander Legends, it will not. There's a very good chance that Commander Legends will only reprint it in English. Because it's just not a big deal in Europe or in Japan. Commander. So I don't see them having much reason to print it in other languages. Um, so there's that. It, it well, insulates anything that gets repeated between Double Masters and Commander Legends, which is a possibility. I could get. I could see one to three cards reappearing there. Um, Cyclonic Rift, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lightning greaves there's there's options that you know we've already seen that they didn't coordinate well between mystery boosters and double masters so that could easily extend itself to commander legends but true you know the japanese stuff out of double masters is probably insulated for commander legends all right i like that is there anything you've been picking up this week that you picked up for yourself from Double Masters? No, uh, like I said, I've um, I've been trying not to. Uh, I bought um, a bunch of stained glass Nisses at, uh, if you remember on the podcast, uh, I think three or four weeks ago, I was like, ooh, $15, that's a great price. I bought a whole bunch more at $6 this week, and uh, I cursed your name while I did it, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could share with people what I picked up in the Pro Trader... Uh, Double Masters single singles buy. This was a pretty huge buy that the Pro Traders placed with a major European vendor uh, last week, and I can certainly echo what I got and what I was paying for it. There was no foil box toppers in this deal because the VIPs had been opened significantly less in Europe, um, and the their prices on the non-foils were looking really good at the time. So I got... Three Atraxa non-foil box toppers, one Avacyn, one Mana Crypt, two Chrome Mox, two Doubling Season, and a Kalia. And I paid $27 on the Atraxas, $56 on the Avacyns, $100 for the Mana Crypt box topper. Worth comparing that to current prices, probably overpaid. Uh, no, I didn't. The Mana Crypt non-foil is up to, is at 149 market, so... <laughs> If you were a pro trader and you snagged a Mana Crypt box topper in our deal last week, you'd be up 50 bucks. Our pro trader service is $80 a year. So I'll let you guys... <laughs> the group buys have really been phenomenal. And um, I'm always uh, happy when I'm at my computer when uh, we get to start one. And when I'm not, when I'm doing other things or I'm teaching a class, I'm always you know, yeah. a little irked. $44 on Chrome Mox box toppers, 36 on doubling seasons, 13 on the Kalia. Kalia's current price is Kalia of the Vast. More. 43. So if you picked up one of those last week, you'd be up another 30. I mean, I could go on. Yeah, the, the doubling season at 36, uh, that was really spicy. I think uh, that was one of the best deals on the board. And of course, I didn't buy any. I got some non-foil explorations at 22, some Scarab God foils at 31. I got 11 Basalt Monolith foils at 5. Notably, Michael Caffrey has called out that he thinks the foil uncommons are terrible specs because they're going to 
you know, as I said earlier, they're going to keep uh, pumping into the market and getting lower. Uh, yeah. 20 Blasphemous Act uh, non-foil rares at $2.21. 13 Land Tax, an excellent mythic to be targeting from Europe, uh, at $14 a copy. You can still get 20 to $22 copies in Europe, but I think that might be the end of the $14 copies. Uh, 10 copies of Atraxa, Praetor's Voice, first time in non-foil, just as with Brea, uh, at $10 a piece. I think that's an easy win. 8 Chrome Mox at 24 4 Darksteel Forge at 680 and 8 Avacyn Angel of Hope at 1786 I, I suspect that just by listing this, this order in 6 months will be the equivalent of taking about $1,200 worth of value and turning it into fifteen to $1,600. With, without breathing hard yeah i mean the only thing we have left to do on some of these group buys is uh direct drop shipping to buy lists i think is what uh you know just well i mean that that no no one has tried that yet but there's actually there's no reason they couldn't if it in some cases this one you know buy lists are not as aggressive now as they might be in six months so that might you know i'd be happy to wait six months to get better pricing Get it, squeeze another fifteen or twenty percent out of the the buy list in six months is well worth it to me, because that's the equivalent of more than forty percent ROI per year, which is a really solid return. The, but if we're looking at some you know a situation where our singles by the end of July had a focus on cards as far back as core twenty, and in in those cases the most of what was targeted that we flagged for people in that buy was straight arbitrage. And in that case, you really could have just picked five or ten of the most obvious arbitrage plays and shipped them straight to Card Kingdom. The vendor doesn't care. You can give them whatever address you want. <laughs> as long as well, you give them the, the money. that's the of dropshipping. Yeah, well, I mean, as long as you give them the money, they don't care where it goes. All right. I like uh, I like all those prices. Um, so, du- Double Masters is an interesting and unique set. Everyone's got an opinion, and some of them are going to look better than others in the rearview mirror. We're trying to give you guys a realistic perspective on on where the set is headed, what we know and what we don't know. Um, the bottom line is this: it all depends on how much supply supply flows into the market how quickly that happens, and whether it is repeated. Um, the, the less of the product that shows up, the faster we move on to new and exciting hype cycles, the greater the chance that these cards are going to rebound fast, assuming they don't catch additional reprints. Well, right, and this being a, a reprint set um, and a commander-focused reprint set, you know that's what's going to be a thing, is that um, these cards they they didn't get expensive uh most some of them were expensive because they hadn't been printed in forever like mana echoes but a lot of these have a really consistent play pattern like 36 dollar doubling season is going to be a buy every single time you see it because it will inevitably make it back up into the 50 and 60 dollar range there aren't they're just not going to put that many copies onto the market are individuals because doubling season goes so well in so many things same thing with Lightning Greaves and Exploration and all these cards, when they get reprinted, yes, they go down in price, but that's when you want to be buying. That's the lesson we learned from every modern Masters set, and most of the other Masters set have had these pretty consistent U patterns, where as long as 
uh, people are, are opening them, and for a while after opening them, prices are low, and the demand is there, so it should come back up. And like you said, we're in a new area of reprints. Lots of reprints are coming. And, uh, you know, we got real-life treasure chests coming up in the set boosters, so it's all kinds of uh, fun times. But I think, you know, focusing on the staples is really where we want to be, especially when they bottom out uh, due to reprinting in a master set like this. Modern Masters 2017 is another good touchstone because that was a set where people neglected the opportunity to get in low on cards. That was the last time we, we saw the Zendikar fetches. And they got pretty cheap, and people wanted them to get cheaper, and they predicted peak supply was way down the road, and it wasn't, <laughs> because their fetches and the demand is high. And if you didn't buy in the first six weeks, they started up the hill again, and people said, ah, forget it. I think and, people are too obsessed with the fetches, to be honest. Yeah, way too. I mean, yes, they are key game pieces, but they are not the tremendous barriers to entry everybody talks about. And, and in fact, like... The, the portion of that that is really missed is that let's say that they never came down in price. In fact, let's say that fetches were always $100. So they are a barrier in the sense that if you want to play any relevant deck, maybe you need $1,200 worth of them. As long as that $1,200 is steady, you are in such a privileged position. You buy $1,200 worth of ski gear, you run, it into, you run it into the ground, you got to buy $1,200 more of it. You want to go on $1,200 worth of vacation, you enjoy yourself, take some pictures, post your Instagram, you come home, that money's gone. Very, very infrequently is there a situation where you can put in $1,200 and get close to $1,200 out. You can do a private sale to another collector, sell it for $1,050. You can buy list it for $850, $900, whatever. Very infrequently. So it's not... Though there is an initial barrier, the, the fact that if you need that money, you can get out of it is a real thing. Now, that doesn't help the person that doesn't have 1200 to begin with, but it's a lot better than the situation where prices are highly variable or generally trend downward over time. People really don't understand how damaged this hobby would be if all prices across the board all trended down over time. Like if they just if if they just attack if they attacked reprints to such an extent that there was literally nothing that hadn't been reprinted in the last like eighteen months, the the damage to vendors and players in terms of financials would be <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And even if most players would, you know, work through that with cognitive dissonance, they would just be like, ah, I was never going to sell them anyway. It doesn't matter. Just because you don't acknowledge that there's a gold bar in your closet doesn't mean that it, the gold turning to coal is good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. that. That's willful ignorance. The It is much, much better for you that your collection value trends upward over time, that your commitment to the game is rewarded. And if if we're in a situation where the player base continuously narrows because of the cost of the game gets to such a point that no one can play. And of course, we're all talking hypotheticals here in a world where COVID isn't already interrupting that, that process. Then yeah, we'd have a real problem and the game would, would have to adjust. But that is not what we've seen. We've seen an expanding player base for more or less the entire history of the game. A slow, steady expansion of the player base and, and the value of the brand. And that has largely happened because it's a collectible. If it wasn't and a collectible, highlight... 
If it wasn't a collectible, it would never have been more than just another board game on the shelf. Yeah, I, I mean, I really want to highlight what you said a minute ago about like increasing the value of your collection over time. That is uh, our goal, is what we want. We talk about, you know, you should get this now before it's expensive later, whether it's uh, a Lightning Greaves or a Foil Showcase Trion. You buy that right now, the Trion for $25, $30, it's going to be at 50 or 60 in a year or two, and that is value you can extract if you need to, if you are looking to get yourself into a set of fetches because you've decided you want to play modern competitively. Um, it It's just amazing to me that what we're doing is helping people build up value. And you don't have to spend a ton of money in Open17 VIP packs in order to do that. We're trying to help everybody with you know, smaller numbers of purchases, or you're going to purchase a giant brick of things. Either way, we're highlighting how you can gain more value by simply being thoughtful about what you're buying and when and when you're selling it. So that's that's why I'm here. I mean, this, that's why both of us are here. We're trying to help everybody out and do these things. And this is a pretty unique hobby in that we get to do that on an up and down basis. And, you know... Uh, enjoy the game while playing this other uh, aspect of it. Both of them are a lot of fun for me. Preaching to the choir, I'm sure. Uh, final point of the evening. Uh, one of the things one of the things that will cut off the double masters hype cycle is that it's August 12th we're recording this. I'm pretty sure by September 12th, so in 30 days, we have Zendikar Rising previews. In fact, I know we do because pre-release weekend is the seventeenth. It's not the oh, first. Definitely. It's not the first week of October or the last week of the month. It's like mid-September this year. So let's see. The release date is September twenty-fifth. Uh, no, uh, wait. that makes sense. That makes sense. Release pre-release seventeenth, which was probably yeah. also online access, and then street date is the twenty-fifth. Yep. So then uh, we're going to be looking at. Uh, first week of september which is only two and a half weeks away three weeks away three weeks away good good lord yeah so that's one of the things that is going to you know everybody's real hot about the double master stuff this week that's why i think that for certain things it's a good time to sell like i have no hesitation on something like foil urza's lands if i can get you know 120 of my capital back flipping three of those rares so be it all right where can people find you online, Cliff? Uh, you can find me online at Word of Commander on Twitter, as well as my weekly articles on mtgprice.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant uh, oversight and haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. I had uh, a member of our Discord leave a testimonial in the testimonials channel today uh, that I was particularly proud of, uh, flagging that a thank you for uh, us pointing out on cast that if you sell something to somebody uh, on a major platform 
feel free to ping them to see if they need anything else. They said they are averaging a significant increase uh, in their sales uh, by following that process. So uh, a hot tip when we first set it and something that everybody should be trying. Uh, once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE with the number 5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That's it for us today. Uh, as always, James, a lot of fun to talk with you. Thank you, Cliff, and we'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG fast finance.